There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Longshot is a production of McClatchy Studios and iHeartRadio. Previously on Payback. The whole family's like legendary and especially Jessica. So as soon as he said the last name, I'm like, whatever you need, come in and do what you want. <laughs> there were some other schools, obviously, they would have given <laughs> two scholarships for Jess. You know, I mean, at that time, she was just that dominant. But Anton Dorrance is, at that time, he's God, you know. Anton Dorrance was coming to meet my mom. This is my dream school. And we're in the car. And she just punched me right in my mouth. My recollections are mostly uh, trying to find her. I'm thinking, oh gosh, I know why the grandmother's involved. Kids don't have no reason to suffer, but we don't choose our parents, do we? We can't. By the way, Mia Hamm's here. If you look through there, she might be standing there somewhere. Hanson Dorrance is showing me around the University of North Carolina soccer facility that bears his name. Dorrance Field. We have won some here, because back in the day, if you were the top seed, then you would host. Opened in 2019, the stadium has brand new offices, team meeting areas, and locker rooms for both the men's and women's soccer programs, and more than 4,000 seats for spectators. But the crown jewel is a small room up the stairs at one end of the field in a brown brick building called the McCaskill Soccer Center. The closing room, as Dorrance calls it, for prized recruits. So that's our first national championship. That's our second. That's our third. That's our fourth. The room isn't massive, maybe 25 feet long by 15 feet wide, but its contents feel grand. That's our fifth, sixth, seventh, 
8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. The walls are painted deep blue, with lighter Carolina blue argyle, adding a stylish crown molding along the tops of each wall. Shelves run the length of the walls, each filled with the Tar Heel women's national championship trophies, standing shoulder to shoulder. 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and then we finished second. So this stretch was, that's a pretty good stretch, right? We're hunting for the trophies from 2008 and 2009, which is trickier than you might imagine. And now here are the presidents, by the way. Every time we win a national championship, the presidents invite us in. So here we are with Obama, the Bushes. There's another Bush. What is that? One, two, three, four different? Yeah, and I've got a couple in my office as well. The players and coaches who have passed through UNC's women's program are not just icons of the game. In many ways, they're the very architects of an entire sport. And here's Christine Lilly, Mia Hamm. There's Kalia Ohai. And there's Mia again. And there's April Heinrich. She's also just a very important figure in our history. Dorrance's teams have been winning national titles since before women's soccer was even recognized as a sport by the NCAA and was instead overseen by the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, or the AIAW. It's 22 national championships, but not 22 NCAA championships, because that first one was an AIAW championship. Finally, along the third wall of the room, nearly all the way in the corner, after what feels like a gold-plated eternity, Dorrance finds the trophies we're looking for. So, uh, yeah, so there you go. Those are Jess's. From the Charlotte Observer, Raleigh News and Observer, McClatchy Studios, and iHeartRadio, this is Payback. I'm Alexandreev, and this is part four, Tough as Nails. I even remember the room we were in. It was on the left off the main hallway, so I know the room we were in. And I think the principal was in the room with me. There in a little room off the main hallway at Cactus High School, Jess sat with her father and grandmother. It was 2005, and Anson Dorrance made his recruiting pitch for Jess to come play at the University of North Carolina. It was a pitch Dorrance had carefully honed over time. I think at first when you start coaching, it's about, you know, the system, the 4-4-2 or whatever. It's about player development, uh, But honestly, it's not. What it is, at the highest level of coaching, it's about getting as close to as many people as possible. Dorrance began his UNC coaching career in 1977 with the Tar Heels men's team. Two years later, players on the women's club team at UNC petitioned the school for their team to be upgraded to the varsity level. Dorrance argued on their behalf, so the athletic director at the time let him, or maybe just made him, coach both teams. And the biggest challenge in coaching the women was learning to lead them effectively. They have to get a sense that you respect and admire them for reasons beyond the game. A male athlete has no issue with his respect coming entirely from his capacity to dominate competition. A woman doesn't embrace that as her North Star. For nearly a decade, Dorrance coached both squads before committing to the women's game exclusively. And the North Carolina Tar Heels knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes by a score of two to nothing. But counting his wins with both the men's and women's teams, Dorrance has found rarefied air among coaches at any level of any sport. And Coach Dorrance gets his 1,000th victory as a head coach at the University of North Carolina. 
He's got to be aware that the Gatorade is coming, and there it is. There at Cactus High, Dorrance told Jess that was a growing legacy she could be part of. By the time Jess finished high school, she had won six state championships with Sereno sports programs and a regional championship. She'd made a collection of All-American teams and was a member of multiple youth national teams. Dorrance was giving Jess the best news of her life on what might have been the worst day of it. Anson had highlight tapes of, you know, all the seasons, all the trophies. He's pumping us up. But, like, I have all these mixed emotions going on. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm angry. Every emotion. And this is my dream come true meeting. And my mood is, like, changing that. During my reporting, I tried multiple times to interview Jess's mom, Tracy. But we couldn't seem to connect with her. Sorry, mailbox is full. I asked Dorrance if, back in 2005, he had any idea of the drama that unfolded behind the scenes of that recruiting trip. She described a pretty formative moment for her when she was set to meet you for the first time at her high school. And, Mm. you know, she had to change plans, she said, and call her dad and her grandmother. And so I'm curious if you remember those plans shifting at all, what that meeting was like. I don't remember anything shifting. Um, I thrive in chaos. So for me, if there was anything that was disruptive, I'm going with a flow. So she was pleasant. I mean, she didn't wear her struggles. Did she have bruises at all or anything? Not to my recollection. But if she did, I wouldn't have associated it with anything negative. So maybe if she did, for me, it wasn't a like a social worker where, you know, was someone beating you? No, for me, it's like, oh, yeah. So you went in on that one and maybe hit the goalkeeper, punched you in the face trying to go for the ball. How cool is that? So my reaction would be different than, you know, someone else. That afternoon, someone else in that room did react differently. A man experienced with life outside the law and the aftermath of a fist fight. I can't remember how the words went and stuff, but I was asking him, what should he hit you for? Jess's father, Vince Myers. You don't need to be getting hit, not at this age, period. I was like, my mom and them didn't hit me at this age. I ain't going to lie, nobody be hitting on my kids at this age. He's like, why haven't you told me? I'm like, Dad, it's not like you've been consistently in my life. You know, you're in and out of prison. You're in and out of, you know, South Phoenix, which is, like he said, is a very dangerous place. So I said, since it's bad between you two, just pack your bags up and you just come stay with me. So the split decision just came for her to come stay with me right then and there. Mama didn't like it, but I didn't care. Jess ran away from home that day, clearing out her childhood bedroom with the help of her estranged father. It began an odyssey of couch surfing, begging friends for places to stay and making do on her own that lasted Jess the next two years. But so often in Jess's life, Success in sports has been directly driven by adversity she was battling off the field. And that has rarely been truer than the day of that recruiting visit. Because after clearing out her bedroom, Jess had another competition that evening. And it's one that seemingly everyone we spoke with in Arizona remembers, even nearly 20 years later. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. Came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jess's time with the Sereno Soccer Club made her a top national recruit, but she cemented her local legend on the track right around that same time she met with Torrance. Jess's old basketball coach, Mark Ryan, mentioned it to us on the phone. I used to be a sports journalist, and I was covering the state track meet. I can remember she set the state record for the 400, her first year ever running track. Torrance has a story about it. Jess has a story about it. Jess's father, Vince, has a story about it. And like any good legend, the details seem to have evolved over time. I had a track meet that day. This is all the same day. So me moving my stuff out, like things happened with my mom, Anson Dorrance, track meet that day. From what I can tell from my reporting, all of these storytellers get at least some of the facts right. So this is a kid that doesn't know anything except first gear. It's one of Dorrance's favorite tales about Jess, delivered with his distinctive flourish. 
She's walking through the halls of her high school one day and the track coach has just lost his 400 meter runner. She's never run the 400 meters in her life. And the track coach walks up to her in her high school and says, hey, uh, do you mind just, you know, running the race just so I don't have to forfeit the spot? Sure, I mean, she's such a nice girl. Sure, I'll jump in. She sets an Arizona state record in the 400. She's never run it in her life. So let's pause here for a moment. It's not possible to determine exactly which spring day Dorans visited Cactus High School, but we know from state and local records that the week of May 4th that year, Jess competed in her school's regional tournament with a shot at states on the line. In that last race, one lap around the track, she beat the second place finisher by three full seconds. The next week, Jess turned even more heads at the state track and field championships, held at nearby Mesa Community College. That's the event Jess's former basketball coach, Mark Ryan, remembered from his time as a local sports reporter. By that state meet, Jess was alternating between her grandmother's house and Vince's place in South Phoenix. And Jess's father did something he had rarely done before, attend one of her competitions. I was there at that meet. I know she set a record. She ran a... A 54 in the 400. According to state high school athletic records, Vince watched his daughter run a 400-meter dash that clocked 55.26 seconds. I was like, oh, I didn't even know she could run like that. That was shocking. For the state record to happen, that wasn't even a goal of mine. At the finish line, my coach was just like, you literally just set the Arizona state record. And I was like, excuse me? I had no idea I was even remotely close to something like that. I was doing track and field in the first place, not seriously, just to stay in shape for other sports, really. And for something like that to happen, I mean, I am proud of myself for the things that I have accomplished, you know, along my, my journey. It was yet another sports accolade for Jess to go along with the two state titles she would win at Cactus High in basketball and the various other honors she received playing the game her mother once loved. At that point, Jess told us the biggest growth may well have come from the people around her, particularly her father. He was helping me, you know, he's, he's my dad, even though I knew how risky of a lifestyle I knew he lived. I needed a parent, and my grandmother stepped in as well, so those two definitely helped me throughout the rest of my high school career. Vince is the first to acknowledge he didn't exactly turn into father of the year. When she stayed with him, he was often out late, so he had her take his navigator and drive herself to school in the mornings, even though she didn't have a license. I said, Jessica, I can't get up at that time no more. You're going to have to drive. So, you know, she was driving with no driver's license. I said, I can't. You know, I was coming in too late. You know, I had, you know, I still had bad habits, you know, I had to get rid of. She made it. I said, just drive calm, you know. They was calling a rich kid, you know. <laughs> you know, this is like really the first time my father was like really there for me when I like needed him most. I didn't wish her to stay with me, but I was happy she stayed with me. I was a really proud father. What she was going through, I'm even more proud of her right today. She got what she want. She get to do what she wanted to do. I'm very proud of her. Eventually, Vince bought Jess a used car of her own. That made it easier for her to get out of South Phoenix periodically, to go stay a few days with her friends or her grandmother, Abby. 
if I wanted to find her, you know, I went to her grandma. Y'all know where Jessica at, you know. And they'd give me the number, everything. Just like that, you know. Wasn't no problem or nothing, you know. Even if Vince hadn't always gotten along with Big Abby, during Jess's junior and senior years of high school, their priorities were clearly the same. I like Vince. He took care of her. When she was at my house and she was going to character, she had her own car. He did what he wanted to do with his life, which had nothing to do with Jessica, right? He loved his daughter. He took care of her. So I don't have anything against him. I don't have anything against anybody. That's not me. Still, the turmoil of couch surfing, particularly with Jess's extracurricular schedule, was terrible for a kid in school. She was driving all over Phoenix for school, then basketball practice. Dish to a wide open, streaking McDonald to the basket, lay it up and in. Then club soccer. Then track meets. Then to wherever she was going to sleep that night. I didn't know how to handle it mentally at that point, you know. My grades started to decline after that had happened. SAT score sucked. By that point, my GPA wasn't up to par with my SAT scores. UNC was out of the window. Dorrance took the news almost as hard as Jess did. I tried to get her in uh, out of high school, and I wasn't able to get her in. You know, someone that is stripped of the tools in high school to try to succeed at a collegiate level is going to continue to have to fight, you know, tooth and nail to recover. Because obviously uh, what was critical is we had to get her academics up to a level where we could admit her. Jess's dreams of UNC would have to wait. Big-time college sports at all were off the table for the moment. So Jess looked down the street, at a scholarship opportunity from a school where grades wouldn't keep her from playing. A small community college that plays something like minor league soccer. And the Bears are blowing it open here in the first half. She had no idea how large an impact it would have on her life. I can show you some stuff. When was she Hall of Fame? So it's 2013 Hall of Fame. Phoenix College is an 8,000 student community college located just north of downtown. You want to see the gym he played in? The Bears play under the National Junior College Athletic Association. So not knowing that the women's soccer team just won the NJCAA National Championship, or that the men's soccer team has won more than a dozen county and regional titles, might be forgivable. That's the old gym, and they just redid it. College sports rosters at this level can be full of players who are down on their luck or couldn't make the grade. Those looking for a last chance at playing time, or a final path to the big time. Oh, there's security. Maybe we can get in. Dave Cameron is the men's head soccer coach. Hey guys, we're doing a story about Jessica McDonald. Is there any way we can get into the Hanley Center? You mean just for a few minutes? Or? Yeah, they flew in from North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Sure. Cameron isn't one to mince words. And it isn't often he sees an athlete like Jess McDonald come through Phoenix College. She came here because she had to. And we were just fortunate enough to have her here for soccer. Phoenix College is a two-year school. And in his 20 years there, Cameron has seen a handful of Bears athletes in various sports move up to larger Division I programs, 
and even eventually go pro. So her stuff is right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, we should have seen this, man. The entire trophy case. She almost has a wall to herself. Until Jess came along, Phoenix College's most famous athlete alum was probably Nick Nolte, who only became famous once he stopped playing college football. So for a blue-chip soccer recruit like Jess had been, the talent level for the Bears women was a little inconsistent. When she came on campus, the women's team at the time wasn't competitive enough for her, so she was moved up to the men's team to challenge her. And that's kind of how I met her. Her first practice, she scored a bicycle kick, and I even won her on the men's team. So that's kind of how we met. She just started training with us because she needed more competition. Jess was on scholarship at Phoenix College for both soccer and track. She also played on the women's basketball team. Years later, during a ceremony at the school in her honor, Morgan Lee, the women's soccer coach at the time, admitted Jess hadn't been on their recruiting board at all. I didn't know anything about her because I was recruiting men's. So the women's side, Morgan Lee at the time, who's the head coach, definitely uh, knew who she was and was shocked that he even had an opportunity. So he was very fortunate to have a player of that caliber at this level. In that 2006 women's soccer season, Jess recorded 18 goals and 10 assists. She was named the Player of the Year and a first-team All-American by the associations that oversee women's soccer at that level. But they have been on a hot streak of late, and it's just a different team. On the basketball court, Jess received various honors and was the top rebounder in the nation among JUCO players, with 13.6 rebounds per game. Phoenix walking it up, taking some time off that clock, shorten the game, so to speak. By the time she was done at Phoenix College, she was the most decorated women's athlete in the school's history. With talent like that, any coach would be tempted to play Jess as much as possible. And for a player who only has one gear, the wear and tear of year-round sports, for years on end, was bound to add up. Phoenix able to hold on for the two-point win down in Tucson. When I was watching her play basketball, you could see her limping. And the coach at the time would just player, player, player. I remember watching her play, like, why are we playing her? So many minutes. But she let him rebound, she let him scoring. So we presented a different problem. Despite growing knee pain on the basketball court, when Jess wasn't practicing with her own teams, she could be found practicing with Cameron's men's squad. With the men's team, everyone appreciated her because she was talented. If she couldn't compete, then she wouldn't be accepted, I don't think, as much. But um, a lot of her friends are from that team. She has a, the ability to relate to anybody. It's a unique quality. Jess might have been the most talented soccer player on campus, men or women. And thanks in part to her help at practice, that men's team went on to win their county championship. Shot and a goal! And Phoenix ties it. The Bears get the goal. But more importantly... Jess's time at Phoenix College was the very model of something larger. It was an example of how community colleges can provide lifelines to struggling students and act as springboards for more significant opportunities. In Jess's heart, that still meant Division I soccer in the Tar Heel State. Absolutely. I, I needed to get to UNC. I knew even at such a young age, I couldn't just throw it away. And one of the most incredible things that I was able to have at Phoenix College was great mentorship. They were like, this is what you literally have to do if you want to make it to D1. And I did it. And it was kind of like hitting the restart button. 
you know, and if junior college wasn't even an option for me, I probably wouldn't have made it to D1 in general. I just didn't see that realistically happening, and so I took advantage of it, and that was because of the leadership that I had on campus. As much as Jess never gave up on UNC, Dorrance never gave up on her. He kept in touch with her regularly to check on school and Jess's home life and to let her know that a roster spot would be available for her as soon as she qualified academically. Though Dorrance did have one request. At the Division I level, the NCAA grants players four seasons of eligibility. But the NCAA includes seasons played at the community college level, like Jess was doing. We only played her in soccer one year because we didn't want her to lose eligibility at the NCAA. Dave Cameron again. Mainly because uh, Anson Dorrance asked us, hey, we have her not play the second year, which is very hard for us to do. If I was a coach, I'd be like, I want to play her again. You know, I want to win. But we put her in basketball, so it wouldn't affect her eligibility in soccer. In less than two years at Phoenix College, Jess graduated with honors and an Associate of Arts degree. A spot on UNC's roster was waiting, just as Dorrance had said it would be. Jess finally had Chapel Hill in her sights. That was like... One of the hardest times of my life from junior year all the way through my sophomore year in junior college. Just four years of me just trying to figure out who are you, Jess? You know, just look at myself in the mirror. Who the heck are you? What are you doing? What do you want to do? And I'm a jock at heart. I always have been and sports has just always been my life. And I graduated with honors and I was able to transfer to University of North Carolina. It's not easy being here either. I mean, it's not like you're handed anything. I mean, you have to work for everything. Cameron again. We can't pick them up. We can't provide them a food card. We can't provide them housing. We can pay for their school and books and give them hope. That's pretty much all we can do. Jess's success still makes him emotional. We're here because we get to witness miracles like that. I consider it a miracle when anyone coming from where she came from, having nothing, I mean, nothing. And she was homeless, I don't know how many times. And uh, when she told me what was going on, I was crying. Like, what what she dealt with. I was just in tears. I'm like, how? How do you deal with that? We're an outlet to help people like Jessica McDonald. We'll be back after the break. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. 
Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jess arrived at UNC early in the 2008 soccer season. Not all of her Phoenix College credits transferred over, making her a sophomore in Chapel Hill. But that was still in line with the three years of soccer eligibility she had remaining. Building on her grandmother's early influence, Jess chose African-American studies as her major. It was my first time ever learning about true black history. The only thing you learn in school growing up, MLK, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks. We get nothing else. Okay, slavery happened. Knowing slaves built my school. I had no idea slaves built UNC until I went there. And it was just such a beautiful thing to be able to learn a little more in depth about my history here in the United States. Jess joined the Tar Heels seven games into their 2008 season. Jess was joining a team that felt a fire in them coming off of a rare loss the year before in the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament to Notre Dame. And once she finally got her shot, she made the most of it. Despite missing the first quarter of the season, Jess would finish that year with five goals, catching up statistically to the rest of the team. By season's end, she led the squad in assists. Soon, the Tar Heels were once again on a collision course with Notre Dame in the NCAA championship game. I remember drawing a foul about 22 yards out from the goal and Casey Nogueira just took this quick free kick and ended up scoring and I was like, yes. Things just kind of went upward from that point on. North Carolina won that game, 2-1. to one. Jess was celebrating a national championship at her dream school. It seemed so far from where she had started. You know, here is this young woman who had some really great challenges in her life before she got to UNC. 
Cindy Parlocone was an assistant coach on that 2008 UNC team. You first heard from her in part one of this season, as a member of that historic 1999 U.S. Women's National Team. During her college days, when she was known as Cindy Parlow, she won national titles as a Tar Heel player. Then, after rising all the way up to play for the women's national team, she came back to UNC to begin her coaching career. Perhaps more than anyone in all of women's soccer today, Parlo Cohn represents the intermingling of elite, amateur, professional, and international women's soccer in the United States. That 2008 season was the first time Parlo Cohn crossed paths with Jess, but it certainly wouldn't be the last. She was a, obviously a great player, but then to see her get there and be one of the players that reaches out to others, to lift others up when you know that she's one that has been struggling. I didn't have the full story at the time, which makes it even a better story now. Players from that era told us that fitting in with the culture Dorrance fostered on the team was almost as important as understanding their assignments on the field. Anson, he just creates this culture where you have to be a good person or you're not going to last. Kalia Watt is a forward for the Chicago Red Stars in the National Women's Soccer League. She played at UNC a few years after Jess, but got to know Jess well in the pro game. We had to read books and we had values that you had to live by. And when you get to play with someone that went to UNC, you just have this connection. And it is definitely one of the reasons Jess and I have been so close and have loved playing together. As a tactician, Dorrance has long employed a specific style of play. And by the start of the 2009 season, Jess fit in perfectly. At UNC, uh, we have a substitution pattern because we try to press for 90 minutes. And to press for 90 minutes, you've got to be extraordinarily fit. We spoke with Dorrance on multiple occasions for this podcast. This time, it was over the phone. We would start Jess because she was certainly one of our best players. And after about 30 minutes in the first half, we would sub her out Dorrance's scheme is notorious for its defensive pressure. While three defenders hold a high line, three forwards disrupted plays. It's been described as like a pass rush in football, or forechecking in hockey, meant to press an opponent in their space and not give them time to settle. And I have a lot of stories of other players that we would sub out. This one player, she would get so upset and say, I'm not even tired. And my response to her was exactly. In other words, you didn't do a bloody thing the whole time you were in there, which is why we're taking you out. Jess exerted extraordinary effort in Dorrance's scheme, which led to periodic cortisone shots for her nagging knee pain. But her attitude never wavered. When we would sub her out, Jess would be breathing so hard, it sounded like she was going to have a heart attack or an aneurysm. And she would high-five me, my coaching staff, and the entire bench. This just doesn't happen in our game. Jess and her grandmother, Abby, made a habit out of talking before most games, certainly the big ones. I just told her, never give up, stay strong. And you gotta stay focused on yourself, nobody else, you know? It ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. You know you can do it, do it. Don't worry about the team, anybody else, support them. But don't let nobody take your joy away. The 2009 Tar Heels blew through the regular season, then toppled Notre Dame again in the NCAA semifinals. All that remained was the championship match and the top-ranked, undefeated Stanford. 
For that clash of titans, Abby wanted to be in the stands. And before that final, Abby would give her signature pep talk in person. She clearly remembers the pregame conversation she had with her granddaughter, and what she said were the perils of an undefeated team getting overconfident. Grandma, who you say gonna win the game? I said, we gonna win the game. Stanford hadn't lost the game. Ain't nobody gonna beat us. Be dead. You hear me? And welcome to College Station, Texas. I'm Beth Mullins. In just the third minute of the game, Jess made an impact. That girl chased someone down. Kevin McDonald remembers exactly how it happened. She came all the way from the other side of the field, chased her down, stole the ball, got fouled. Fellow Tar Heel striker Casey Nagara lined up her free kick on Stanford's side of midfield. She crossed the ball deep into Stanford's penalty box, where Jess split two defenders and met the ball with her right foot on a dead sprint. Nagara plays it in front. Jess's goal was the only one of the match. The Tar Heels held on one to nothing for their second straight national title. Final 10 seconds. The McDonald goal in the third minute. Gets the Tar Heels a 20th NCAA title. There's some players I'm paid to coach. There's some players I coach for free. And that's a player I would pay to coach. Hanson Dorrance again. I didn't have to do anything for Jess. She came in fully formed. She came in tough as nails, and yet somehow she just ended up so positive. That 2009 championship would be her final game for the Tar Heels. But that signature toughness would have to last Jess far beyond her time at UNC. And on part five of Payback. I ended up getting drafted and within minutes, here I am thinking my pro career is done. When she came to me, I was looking at her going, holy cow, we've got an uphill battle here. In her head, she wanted to play in the World Cup. If I was going to bet on it, I wouldn't bet on it. I wasn't going to tell her that. It's not uncommon to come back, but it's uncommon to come back as good or better than you were. It absolutely does seem plausible that pregnancy could help the healing process. I'm Alexandria. Payback is a production of the Charlotte Observer, Raleigh News and Observer, McClatchy Studios, and iHeartRadio. It's produced by Kata Stevens, Casey Toth, Julia Wall, and Davin Coburn. The executive producer for iHeartRadio is Sean Tytone. For lots more on this story, and to support journalism like this, visit charlotteobserver.com payback or newsobserver.com payback. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.